The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, along with Don Fox of Fox Group Private Wealth Management. And you can find out more at donfox.net. The phone number is 905 972 74 Two zero and Donna's with us now. Don, thanks for being here. Good to see you again. I uh, hope you had a great yes, summer. Yes, that summer just went by, and uh, here we are again. It's like back to school, back to work again. And you know, like a lot of things, uh, some changes here. Uh, tell us about Fox Group Private Wealth Management and, and what sort of comes under this umbrella. Well, we've uh, this nothing's really changed at my end, uh, but basically. We've uh, always had this team approach, and uh, I've had uh, an associate back 22 years ago with Jay Llewellyn, and he's worked with me closely over those 22 years. Um, shortly after that, uh, came my son about four years ago, Mitch Fox, and, uh, and also um, a, a few years back was uh, Gary Hogan. And uh, it's, uh, he'll, he'll tell a little, little bit more about himself. So we've always had a team approach. It's been fantastic, the four of us always uh, working together. Uh, solving some of the you know intricate issues that we have with dealing with clients, and it's always nice to be able to bounce things off other experts. Um, and, and we have such a great team that helps with that kind of thing. So, and Gary is right here with us today, also. So uh, he's our first one on the show as a Fox Group Private Wealth Management show. Good morning, Gary. Hi, Scott. It's great to have. Thanks for that, Don. It's I'm great happy to be here. It's great to have you here, Gary. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the the Fox umbrella here, and and then we'll dig into into Gary and such and what his role is. But uh, talk a little bit more, uh, and will we be hearing these other members on the show as well in the upcoming uh, weeks? Well, actually, yes, we will be uh, hearing. Uh, Gary's got the first divs here as uh, the first one uh, to join on to the show. But uh, next week, it is, uh, likely it's going to be Jay Lowell, and the following week will be my son, Mitch Fox. And so uh, that will be the kind of the batting order going in, and we'll see how it goes from there. We're, we're going to add some new things, some new experts into the show, and we're still coming up with some more creative ideas. Uh, you know, just help the listeners, you know, be a little more impacted with some better ideas or more ideas to help their situation. It should be interesting once we get your son on the show. Yeah, no, it will be interesting. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait for uh, that. He's got mixed feelings at this stage, um, as anybody first time on a radio, but uh, I'm sure he'll do a great job. Now, are we still going to be talking about finance or just fun around the uh, the Fox dinner table here? Well, I don't want to bore the, the listeners with that part, so we'll go right into the finance part. And, but Gary's got a long history with IG, and uh, you know it goes back to... Way back when, I guess we I we uh, I hired Gary and trained Gary way back in the early '90s. I I can actually remember the year, Gary. When would that have been? '93. Uh, wow. And uh, we never looked back since. But uh, you've had quite the role with IG um, in between those twenty, almost. Uh, sorry, uh, coming up to how many years now? Is that? Year, yeah, yeah, 29 29 years. Year now. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been a great. Uh, career. Uh, certainly a lot of changes uh, from my end, as it has for most of, of the advisors uh, at IG. But uh, as Don said, I, I began my career. Don uh, spent time training me, and uh, I, uh, I moved into a management role after, after about three years, and uh, did that for 16 years. 
and uh, hired over 50 advisors and, and did some training of my own at that point in time. Uh, I had a, I have, still have, but I, I had a practice that, uh, that I was growing over that period of time, uh, enjoying it very much. I've had the same, uh, the same admin assistant, Maureen Chambers, actually for 24 years, which is, is uh, pretty hard to do in our business. I'm sure Don would, would attest wow. to that. Uh, so I've been very, very fortunate. Um, so uh, I, moved, I have uh, worked actually at a few different offices in the area over those, uh, those years. And uh, back in, in uh, 2018, uh, Don and I had a conversation, which led to many more conversations over a number of months. And um, uh, we, I ended up merging my practice in with the Fox Group. And uh, we're operating that practice under, under uh, that umbrella. It's going very well. And uh, I'm continuing to, uh, you know, things are continuing to grow and, uh, and enjoying that very much. My, uh, you know, my focus, uh, I, I've always been, I've always viewed myself as a, as a relationship advisor and uh, as opposed to a transactional advisor. And that fits very well within, meshes very well with, with the Fox Group uh, practice, of course. Uh, very high client retention, which you know, we're all proud of that. And uh, I, I think uh, even with my tenure, I think I'm injecting a lot of uh, my share of energy into the practice. So it's, uh, it's very well-rounded now, and we're having uh, one of the best years I think we've, uh, we've had. A nice balance, so of, uh, a nice balance of, of old and new, uh, some experience and some youth there. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think Gary said it very well. We have a synergy that's just uh, worked dovetailed into our practice with Gary's practice. And, you know, with Maureen at his helm, uh, you're only as good as your assistant to really. <laughs> Gary's very fortunate to have a, a wonderful assistant. 24 years, Gary, that's amazing. And, and so she also helps with our admin staff here with Fox Group. So, you know, it, it, it's one big happy team. And you're absolutely right, Scott. You have some younger people, like my son, starting. You got uh, Jay with about 20 some odd years' experience. Uh, Gary almost coming up to 30, 29 years, and myself now 36 years. So you know we cover the gamut. But the the biggest thing is, at all times, it's very client centric. The the end the end result is how do we benefit the client the most? Where does that's always the question we ask in any in any of our meetings? Is you know what's best for the client? You know, what's the, uh, the product that would be the best in this situation? What's the best tax issue or the best, best tax solution, rather, for this client? And that's how, that's how we've always approached things. And adding a, another, you know, um, Gary to the team a few years ago only helped out this practice. And, and uh, no, we were very lucky to have Gary as part of the team. And I should mention, we should mention that uh, Fox Group Private Wealth Management all falls within the Investors Group Financial Services umbrella. Yeah, absolutely. It's a kind of a, it's a team within the corporation of IDU. And uh, so it's, no, nothing's changed at that end. We have the, the nice thing about I, Investors Group or IG Private Wealth Management is you have Power Corporation right at the top. That is one of the major shareholders. Plus IG, IGM is, uh, you know, trade on the stock exchange too, um, which really is an Investors Group and McKinsey when they folded together many, many years ago. So yeah, great ownership, great leadership. It's, it's really like a business within a business. And that's the nice thing about what we do is that we are able to run this business. And, with, and having IG look after so many of the other parts with it be compliance, which is a massive issue now in our industry, 
and allows us to do our job. And that is look after clients and solve their financial issues. I know Gary's had a, um, you know, gone through a lot of different, you know, benefits over the years of helping out clients. But uh, you know, one one thing you 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 wanted to bring up today, Gary, was something about the uh, you know buying and selling a house these days. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought that would be a, a, an interesting topic because it's it's one of those things that has. Uh, gathered a lot of steam over the last few years especially with the the uh, the prices going through the roof the housing prices and uh, a lot of people you know I would say it goes back even as as far as about five to eight years ago where people began contemplating uh, for the first time in many cases the idea of selling their home and renting and I think uh, I think a lot of us you know when we think back decades uh, the real goal was to was to buy a home and stay in your home. And uh, so what we're seeing now is a is a trend where uh, you know people are are giving this some serious thought. And I've gone through many times. I've gone through the process of uh, providing financial analysis for a number of clients who are near retirement or already retired uh, who are contemplating selling their home and renting. and the, the quantitative side of things, I know Don's going to touch on that a little later, but the quantitative side of things is relatively straightforward. When we do an analysis, we can we can determine clearly whether it makes sense based on various assumptions. Uh, it either makes sense or it doesn't. But the emotional side of things is often a little more challenging to, to figure out for many, many people. So I wanted to look at some pros and cons of... Uh, of considering renting, and these are these are things that I've had discussions with with many people, as I said, over over a lot of time. Um, and and the, of course, the, the the pros and cons vary from person to person, depending on on what lens they're looking through. But uh, maintaining a home that's become too expensive, uh, you know, given the the retirement income resources, is is certainly a major consideration for people to to look towards possibly renting. Uh, they think about more free time that's available for you know travel and recreation, um, and you know that's that's very important too. And and maintenance, uh, obviously, home maintenance is is uh, has changed dramatically if they're renting. Um, their liquid investments, their 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 investment assets are, are dramatically increased, obviously, from the the sale of the home. So for many people, that provides uh, peace of mind. And. Uh, also, if people are, are considering renting and, and it seems favorable to them, they look at uh, the ability to diversify their assets to a greater extent by putting uh, the equity to work in a variety of the equity from their homes or proceeds in a variety of uh, balanced portfolios. Um, people with, uh, with current mobility concerns or, or concerns about the future uh, can choose a rental home that has adequate surroundings and amenities. So again, in certain situations, that's that's very important to people. Also, the idea of renting, they can accommodate a desire, you know, to to move to a new location for lifestyle reasons. If they want to move closer to some amenities that that appeal to them. So, in a moment, I think we're uh, we're going to break. So, in a moment, I'd just like to share a couple of the cons. All right, uh, we're talking housing, and it's planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Don Fox, and Gary Hogan here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management, IG Private uh, Wealth Management, and, of course, the number 905-972-7420, and the website is uh, donfox.net. We are planning your financial future. We are going to take a quick break here and come back with Don and Gary moments from now. Hang on. 
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here along with Gary Hogan uh, from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Investors Group, of course, IG Private Wealth Management. Don Fox Net to find out more, donfox.net. And the number is 905-972-7420. Don and Gary here. We were talking about housing and some of the options. Some affordable, some are tough. It's obviously a tough time uh, with affordability uh, uh, these days, certainly coming out of a pandemic. But there are some other options there, Gary. Yes, thanks, Scott. We, uh, We were talking before the break, of course, about some of the advantages that, that people see in, in selling their homes and, and, and renting. And I, I will say that um, the, I referred to an analysis that we do to assist people in that decision-making process from a financial standpoint. And uh, the situations that I've been involved with, uh, it has worked out well because we work the numbers and, and the variables that we and the assumptions that we've used have been accurate. And so, you know, people... From a financial standpoint, people have been, uh, by and large, very happy with that decision. However, uh, there's also the soft side of this, the emotional side of this, and, and there are difficulties or challenges that people find um, in the, either prior to or after they have made a decision to rent. And, and these, are more, these are more lifestyle uh, things that, that uh, obviously they find very different uh, from, from owning their own home. Uh, you know, if we, if we look at uh, some basic things like uh, not having the control, so there's far less control in, in things that some people hold very dear and near, decorating, landscaping, renovations, repairs, and so on. Um, so when you're renting, you don't have that, that type of flexibility. Uh, the, co- the whole concept of, of psychologically of renting is not for everyone if they've owned their home for, for years. And, of course, rents, like everything else in life, keep increasing uh, over the years. So that has to be factored in. Um, the, value, the value of ta- a tax-free principal residence when it's sold uh, for legacy purposes at the end of the day, that is, is no longer available, naturally, when, when that home is sold earlier. Uh, the opportunity cost of, uh, of housing values escalating, like we have seen particularly in the Hamilton area for the, the past few years. Um, a lot of people have challenges with relying on a landlord or a property manager to respond to various issues that do come up when they've been used to having total control over that. And I would say one of the, one of the things that uh, may or may not surprise a lot of listeners is giving up the familiarity or, or, or nostalgia, etc., of, of the family home. Um, both prior to and, uh, and after the fact has been a challenge for, for some people. So basically, as an overview, what we're really talking about here is, from a financial standpoint, is just repositioning assets. We're repositioning the money, the value of the home with, uh, with the other assets, investable assets, and so on that can be used. The, um, the actual value of the home that's being sold is, is really the key thing. I mean, a home that's sold for four hundred thousand will will only provide uh, so much financial leverage over time to support expenses. A home that's sold for a million and a half or two million or whatever the case may be, obviously that creates a, a different situation. Um, 
We also have to think about what the timeline is, uh, where funds will be needed over over the remaining uh, life expectancy, and as well as the the year over year expenses. So, the uh, bottom line, and this is where where Don will uh, sort of pick things up, but we we have to have a comprehensive financial analysis done to ensure that adequate resources uh, can be provided uh, over over a period of time to match the desired lifestyle, and. Um, you know, giving thought to, to both uh, practicality and feasibility of a lifestyle change like that for a lot of people is, is critical up front. So lifestyle, uh, lifestyle choices really do matter. So, Don, I'll just uh, turn that over to you. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting, Gary, because just in the last couple of weeks, I've had this conversation with clients saying, okay, we're looking at selling our house and renting. And this is a conversation I have not had for years because um, I've heard of the downsizing a lot. But a lot of people are saying, well, you know what, my house has just doubled in the last few years, or it's gone up dramatically, 70%, and maybe it's time to take some of that equity. And so I know Gary's gone through some of the pros and cons, but there's a few ways you can do it. You could stay at the house. You could stay where you were living. But now you've got to pay people to do things. As you're getting older in those last, say, 15 years of your life, is that really what you want to do? Okay, you have to pay somebody to cut the lawn, somebody to fix this, somebody... Um, you, you may have to start adding uh, um, something to help you up the stairs, a lift. Uh, all these different things means you become more and more reliant on different ex- experts. Yes, Scott. An acorn stair lift, what do they run? And you need one for upstairs and downstairs. Yeah, and the weirdest thing with those things is you have one, but how long do you actually keep it? <laughs> because quite frankly, I find those people that buy them end up not needing them. Uh, you know, within three to five years, because they've now their mobility is to the point they can't use that. Anymore. Ah. So it's really just a temporary issue. And then you look at, you know, buy a used one, etc. So yeah, that adds to more issues. So staying at the house is, is an option. But a lot of it is like, as Gary mentioned, this is often very emotional, you get to keep your neighbors, um, you're just comfortable with stuff. And one of the biggest things is you get to keep your stuff. <laughs> yeah, you get you fall in love with all your stuff, and it you've had this stuff for sometimes fifty years, and you've never had to purge. And why start now? It doesn't matter if you're seventy five or eighty. And it's keeping that stuff is it's an albatross for some, and so the cons are almost identical. The cons um, of of keeping staying in the place you're living is sometimes you really want those neighbors still. Because often the, the neighborhood is turned over. Yeah. You're finding new neighbors have moved in. They're not the same neighbors you had before. You don't have the same, um, you know, maybe you got a young family with kids or teenagers. And, you know, the neighborhood was all people your own age, and now it's, it's turned over. So that's changed things a lot. Um, the cash. Feeling strapped. You really want to have this feeling that we can't do this because we can't afford it, but all the money's stuck in the house. Mm. So why do you want to live those last 15 years feeling somewhat strapped? And, and there's other options. A reverse mortgage is one. Not our favorite. I know uh, we've talked about this on the show many times about reverse mortgages or even line of credits. And so what we do find is people start to tap into the equity in the house, but now they have payments on it. So it's a slippery slope. And as Gary said, we do a comprehensive financial plan to see is it even feasible. And then what happens, though, if you start digging into the equity now, maybe you dug into the equity too much that you don't have this choice to sell it and rent it later because you've now created this debt. So, and again, one of the 
one of the cons of staying right where you are is uh, you actually have to keep your stuff. <laughs> it is actually a great feeling to say, okay, we've gotten rid of a lot of stuff because at some point in time, somebody's going to be looking after all that stuff of yours. And this may be a good time to have yourself pick and choose who you want to give your things to rather than having to go down the road in your will and or you know basically pull up a dumpster and not have that time to go through it carefully. And is this option of renting really, is it for those who will eventually downsize anyway, or is it for those who eventually want to get back into the housing market? Because I've known situations where people have, have taken the money and you know cashed out and said, we're going to do this, and then they found they couldn't get back in. So th- this is probably better for someone who is uh, eventually going to downsize? Yeah, this is more in the later years. Yeah. This is um, something to think about generally, because nobody wants to know, is the market too high, is the market too low? Because yeah. nobody has that crystal ball. That's, that's very similar to the stock market. The real estate market works very similar. But yeah, if you're in the, say, the last stage of your life and you've got, you're now into your 70s and maybe 80s and you're thinking, okay, what do I want to do for the next 15 to 20 years? You know, if you're, if you're able to live to make it to that century mark, it's nice to have flexibility and money gives you that. So one thought is kind of the way to go in the past was to downsize. So you sell the family home and you downsize. Well, does it really free up any money? It, it's kind of interesting because quite often you have to renovate the house to a certain point to get it ready to sell, and then you end up moving into a nice new place that's half the square footage. But the difference is it costs the same. There's no real difference in the cash quite often, or it's, or, or it's nominal. Not enough to free up enough money to make it worth your while, plus you're paying a real estate um, you know, agent or some real estate fees of some sort to move once, which you will do regardless, but then you may end up having to move again anyway. So the, it is, uh, people are finding that downsizing isn't creating excess money quite often, unless they've got, you know, quite a high-end house. But to go from a middle-class house to a condo or to a townhouse, um, there's not that much difference. And then when you add the condo fee, quite frankly, you actually find that your cash flow is actually worse off. So it comes down to, as Gary was speaking, is renting. And the financial flexibility that that provides is great. Now, I've got to say, you don't have to worry about the repairs anymore. It's the landlord's issue now. And so that's, that's kind of nice to say, okay, I don't have to worry about that roof going. The, something needs painting. You do have to get a hold of your landlord. And quite often you're renting. And today is a lot of these people are, are owning condos. And so people are buying condos and renting them. Well, they, there's a condo fee, etc. They're still in charge of looking after the place. Now, if you're renting an apartment where it's a major company, then that's great too. And, and you can actually ask the pre, um, other tenants in there to see how, we're, how good are they at looking after their place. And uh, the other nice thing about uh, having, you know, selling the house and renting is it's really easy for the estate plan. You can now, you have the money now. You don't have to worry about your, your heir is selling the house, and it gives some money. So, as mentioned, Gary said, there's the tax-free principal resident, so you're not going to get that growth anymore, and you could get a bad landlord. Okay, and right now, to be honest, it's hard to find a place. Yeah. Um, there's a great demand for rents, so it is a bit difficult. Um, I've even seen some places where it made sense for the kids to buy a condo and rent it to their parents. 
Hmm. And you you know what kind of landlord you you know the landlord and you know the tenants in that situation, good or bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, and Don. So, really, Don. You want to go there? You know, you've been over your uh, your kids for the last twenty some odd years, and now all of a sudden it's the other way around. It's revenge time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the relationship, and that's for sure. But that's a, a, I have I've come across that recently. And, and there's other options like moving in with your family, but I can't see that being a, a favorable one. That's even worse than having your kids as a landlord. <laughs> so you don't want to move in. And, of course, there's a retirement residence. And that is often the last step where you, you, know, you, you don't have to worry about your food or you're, you're basically having somebody cook for you, etc. And there's a bigger cost with that. But at the same token, you're generally not traveling and you're not doing some of the things you were doing. And so there's some peace of mind knowing that you wake up and, and things are looked after for you. And those, that's usually in the later stages of, of one's life. But so I, I came across a, a situation here. And let's just say, for example, you, your house was worth $1.2 million, And you had some assets. So you had RSPs or RIFs at this stage of about 150000 But you were digging, digging into, you're, you're really getting down on your RIFs and um, RSPs because you used to have a lot more, and you find yourself, okay, I don't want to run out of money. So you started, you have a car loan because it was at, say, 0% or 2%. You even got a line of credit, and that's added up to about 50000 In fact, quite often I'm seeing some older people actually get mortgages because they can apply for them, and the rates are so good. And so in this case, let's say there's a $300,000 mortgage because they've been literally borrowing against the equity of their house to live. At the end of the day, if they sell their house and pay off the debts, they have a million-dollar net worth. And so you look at that and say, that's pretty darn good. A million dollars doesn't stretch out as much as it used to, but with a couple, two uh, individuals earning 7500 a year in old-age security, they're getting Canada Pension Plan of, say, 6500 each, and you get the RIF money, which is dwindling, but it's, they're taking out 20000 a year out of the RIF. So that's going to last for maybe another seven years. At the end of the day... They're making $24,000 each, and that's $4,000 a month after tax. So when you end up renting, you have all this, you don't have this mortgage payment anymore, or the debt payments, and that was eating up some of the cash flow, and yet now you got the million dollars. So really, it's like, let's write down the list of the things you want to do, and quite often it might be hopefully travel as soon as this pandemic starts to ease things a bit, especially for the older people, um, as they feel more comfortable. But you have a million dollars at 4%. That's 40000 a year. That's $3,333 a month added to your income. And even after tax, depending on in this situation, if you earn dividend income, you'd actually pay zero tax on that. If it was interest income, there'd be 20% tax. In capital gains, there'd only be 10% tax. So, what Gary and I would do, and, and the whole Fox team does, is we try to work on what's the most tax-efficient way to create an income to then pay for the rent, to pay for the trips, to increase their lifestyle. So they go down having a great, you know, at the end of the day, I would just want clients to maximize their fun, enjoy the life to the fullest. And really, the burden of a house often doesn't allow this. And the one last thing is because you, a lot of the seniors are, are having to dip into their savings, they are not no longer maximize their tax-free savings accounts. So with the TFSA room maximum at 75500 each, that's uh, 
$156,000 that could go into a tax saving account that could continue to grow, very similar to a house. That actually replaces the principal residence of tax-free growth, and you can tap into it at any time. So there's a lot of pro- pros, and a lot of, and there's some cons to selling your house and renting, but really, at the end of the day, is that you should seek a financial planner to go through this and create a holistic financial plan to see if it makes sense for you. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Don Fox, and Gary Hogan here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Uh, you can check out the website, donfox.net, uh, Don and the number is 905-972-7420 uh, to reach them at IG Private Wealth Management. Planning your financial future. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can check out the website donfox.net and you can reach them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Gary, you were talking about purchasing rental properties and some of the options this might provide for people. Yeah, yeah. We on the on just sort of on the tails of, of talking about potentially selling your home and, and renting. Uh, one of the potential challenges that that people can sometimes experience is is perhaps running into a landlord that that isn't providing the type of uh, service, if you will, that that is expected. And so let's uh, let's flip things around. And and if uh, if we're going to talk about purchasing a rental property and uh, that comes to fruition, then that individual becomes the landlord. So, um, and, and, you know, I think it's, it's interesting with the increasing popularity of uh, HGTV's numerous income property television shows where success after success yeah. is predicted on a regular basis, uh, we're seeing a growing number of people that are intrigued by the apparent profitability of purchasing an income property. And uh, that's, of course, if everything lines up the way it's hoped it would be. So let's look at uh, at the potential upside. And um, there's really there's really two things that most people look at. One is uh, creating a healthy income stream, resulting in a net profit, obviously. And the the second thing is assuming that capital the capital value of the property continues to increase year over year. That will add to one's net income. So that's pretty straightforward. On the potential downside in certain situations, things that have to be looked at are that there's a higher concentration potentially of, of assets resulting in, in uh, probable decreased diversification. If you're, if you're using cash, for example, to buy a property and that's a large percentage of your, your overall holdings, then um, you know, you're, you're, you're changing the diversification perhaps that you have. Um, the future value is directly and specifically impacted by and dependent on the, the local market that you're in. So whatever market you, you purchase in, that rental property in, you are tied to that, that future, future growth. Uh, some rental property owners experience difficulties or disruptions in receiving or collecting their rent. I mean, that's, that's no secret. And um, in a timely manner or, or even not at all sometimes. So as a landlord, that's something that, that has to be factored in as a, as a potential possibility anyway. Periodic or prolonged vacancies. Uh, those issues create a lack of income while all the ongoing monthly expenses continue, taxes, insurance, 
mortgage payments if, if applicable, utility bills and maintenance, all those things continue. So if, you're, if your rental property is sitting idle, that, you know, that uh, could be a problem. Uh, the risk of tenant misuse, neglect or abuse and, and resulting in property damage, obviously there's going to be a cost associated with that. Um, also, disruption of, uh, of personal or family, uh, family life due to, you know, night or weekend calls for repairs, emergencies, that type of thing. And uh, along with that, potential arguments or confrontations with tenants. There are, there are people who choose not to be landlords simply for that reason. They don't want what they perceive to be uh, that aggravation. Uh, liquidity concerns, are you going to sell at the right time? As with any property, if, if you're planning on selling it, uh, that's always a variable. And uh, lastly, the, the time it takes you away uh, in terms of advertising for and vetting new tenants, those sorts of things. A lot of people don't, you know, don't realize that sometimes it is difficult to, uh, to, to find tenants. So the, the, the property management issue is something that, um, you know, we, we touched on before, and uh, some choose to hire a property management company, and this may naturally be a major offset to a lot of the demands that a landlord typically has, um, but it definitely impacts the monthly income. And... Uh, so that has to be factored in in terms of, of planning as well. Uh, some people are attracted to a rental property if they are if they're particularly handy and they enjoy doing various projects, and uh, you know they may see the benefit of, uh, of of this as an income opportunity. Um, and of course, as a landlord too, if if the income received uh, does not match the expenses, um, and you have other sources of income, one good thing is that you can offset other income as a deduction. So that's, that's important to keep in mind, too. So uh, those are just some, uh, a few things that, uh, I don't know, Don, if you have anything you want to yeah. add? Well, I, I, I do find that uh, it sounds so easy. When you, oh, I'm just going to buy this rental property. I, I, you know, interest rates are 2%, and I can get this cash flow. All good. And look, at, on, look how the market's been going up, too. Well, I've seen the opposite where interest rates do go up, next thing you know, you're digging into your cash flow per month because you basically, it's a leverage. You borrow to invest. And you've got to make payments that maybe that the tenant's not covering, particularly if they stop paying. So I actually had an interesting situation where two clients bought two units in the same area. One had a great experience. One had a terrible experience. And took them a year to get rid of the tenant, and they lost lots of money. The other one had a great experience, had a great tenant, and everything went just like the shows, the TV shows always show you. So it really comes down to it is a part-time job, and you can get very fortunate with good tenants, but you can also have the opposite experience. So and it, and I, I just think fire beware and make sure that you have excess cash flow. I don't fall your get too tight because it puts a lot of stress. On your own personal life. And as both of yeah, you are... I guess read and understand the Landlord-Tenant Act. <laughs> yeah, good point. And, and as both of you are pointing out, Gary said, you know, like, for example, if you're not a handy guy and you don't enjoy doing that sort of thing, you better be prepared to pay somebody else to do it. Same thing we've heard people who want to invest in cottages. Well, if, if you're not into that sort of lifestyle, it's probably not something you're going to... Uh, obviously enjoy anyway. Uh, we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here along
along with Gary Hogan, uh, Fox Group Private Wealth Management, donfox.net, and you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, and with me is Don Fox and Gary Hogan from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can reach them at donfox.net. And the phone number at IG Private Wealth Management is 905-972-7420. We're talking, kids all heading back to school, no matter what level you're in sometime this week, you're talking about reducing the stress of a post-secondary education. You know what? And it's already a little stressful for those people going back to school already. And this has been quite the uh, year. They, they've missed the year with the pandemic. They some have never even gone to a campus yet because the whole thing was done online. Um, and it's, it's somewhat, you know, burdensome for them to just go in the first place. But then you add on top of that, there's financial stress because it's, it's not cheap, as we all know, to go to college or university, particularly if you're staying away from the house, if you're on campus. And it was interesting. They actually did a, a study and uh, Angus Reese study of, 36% of young adults have indicated that their mental health has been negatively affected by the financial pressure of, of post-secondary education, meaning paying for the tuition, paying for the books, paying for lodging, and even student loans, per se. So, and, and on top of that, 30% of parents are, are feeling the stress of this, too, because it's kind of crept up on them, and they've all of a sudden they have to come up with helping out their kids in post-secondary even though we all knew our kids were going to grow up sometime. So what do we do about this? And really, it, came, it comes down to about five ways to reduce this stress. And the first way is begging. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I don't mean sitting on the street corner with a, trying to beg to try to see if they can afford going to school. It's about going and, and checking out perhaps getting a scholarship. Now, it's a little late. I don't think you should be doing it this week for, since school's just starting. But there is, uh, you know, some websites on there, uh, Canada.ca, um, type in student grants, and there's ways, there are scholarships, Canada.com for some other opportunities. But there is, and even your universities, they'll have people that have donated money for certain programs that you may qualify for. So if you're going to Mac, check out your specific education, what you're trying, and seeing if there is anything available. And it may be a few hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars, maybe nothing, but it never hurts to check these out. Uh, the second way is borrowing. And this one's tricky because, you know, you're borrowing, it's, I mean, you, you call it a good debt because you're borrowing for something, you're investing in yourself. At the same token, you don't have an offsetting asset for this. And so, this is where student loans come in handy. And there is government programs, and we used to have OSAP way back, Scott. I'm sure yeah. you're familiar with that. Yep. Used to have OSAP I parties. It was a stereo fund back then. Yeah, remember OSAP parties? <laughs> when the check came so in. That, that is a way. It, what it does is it delays the stress because you don't have to pay anything until you graduate, and then you have to get a job then. So... There is a delay there, and so it's a good way to go. And again, you don't have to pay interest on these things. So if you qualify, 
great. It's not a bad thing to have. It's actually not a bad to apply anyway. And you may have funds that you kind of put into a TFSA or you just never know. So it's not a bad thing to see if you qualify. Uh, thirdly is stealing. And this one's I would not recommend. And this is not going out and robbing variety stores or anything. This is like the parents robbing their own RSPs or TFSAs. They're literally hurting themselves, their own financial plan, to help their kids go to post-secondary. And I think that's a little desperate. It means, generally speaking, they didn't have a financial plan. They didn't do any planning in the last number of years to get into this stage. So that would be the least on my list. And it is an option to pull money out of the TFSAs, particularly TFSAs, but not the RSPs, because you're going to pay tax on those when you pull that money out. The next one is sweating. I'm all for this one. Get those kids to have a job. Now, it is easier said than done, but uh, because the pandemic has made it a little more difficult. But I, I don't know about you, Scott, Gary. I've looked around. I see help wanted signs everywhere right now. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think it's out there. Yeah, particularly at the restaurant business. And, and I know I, we've literally can email us. You know anybody we're looking to hire. There's a lot of people that are, a lot of places are hiring right now. And if you can have your... Your student work a few hours a week, uh, you know, even 10 to 15 hours a week. It's possible. It may not be fun, but it's about balancing. And this may add a bit more stress, but everybody gets time management. They're going to learn it sometime. You might as well add a little part-time job in there. And this actually helps the stress. And I've actually gone through some planning about adding a little part-time job, and it really helps the situation. Finally, though, and this is the number one way to alleviate the stress, is to start early and start with the RESPs. It makes the biggest difference in the world. Clients of ours that are we've been having a lot because students are just going to school now asking for some funds from their RESPs. It's generally just a financial speed bump. It is not a train wreck at all. This is easy. They've, they're growing to $60,000 within the RESP, sometimes more, and now they're just taking out some of the funds. And now it's actually, how do we get the funds out the most tax-effective way for the kids. That's the kind of stress you want. It's a tax stress. That's a good stress. Not can I afford to go to school. So it all comes down to planning. And, you know, I wouldn't say it's never too late, but you do have to start your first RESP when the child turns 15. You can't start after that. So you can do a lot of catch up in those last few years. And I should, I would definitely recommend you talk to your financial planner to see what the best approach is. I don't know where we would be today if it wasn't for the RESP, that's for sure. Uh, we have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management, donfox.net to find out more, and you can reach them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Thank you both, gentlemen. Great show. Great way to kick off the uh, new year. Have a great week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.